الجزيرة بودكاست Unrest and instability. Those seem to be the words tacked on to Peruvian politics, a country that has just impeached another president. The Peruvian president, Pedro Castillo, was ousted from power and arrested hours after he moved to temporarily dissolve the Peruvian Congress. He was the fifth president in the past six years to be put in office, and also the fifth to face corruption accusations. Now there are protests for the newest president to leave office and a complete change of Peru's constitution. The political turmoil in Peru is getting bigger with each passing day. At least seven people have been killed, including three teenagers. So how did the country get to this point? And how can it be fixed? I'm Hala Mahiyadeen, and this is The Take. We're talking to Lucia Newman, Al Jazeera's Latin America editor. She's covered Peru and its neighbours for many years now. So just talk us through what happened on December 7th in Peru. What happened was the culmination of what everybody could see that was going to happen. And that was the overthrow, if you like, of a president who in turn had tried before that to overthrow the Congress that he had been at war with ever since he had taken office 16 months ago. Now, this was going to be the third attempt by Congress to impeach him. He tried to use a clause incorrectly that is in the Constitution to shut down Congress and call for new congressional elections, rule by decree, etc. Now, shutting down Congress has been done before in Peru's history with the support of the armed forces. But Pedro Castillo had not found the support of the military. So what happened was that Congress, the Supreme Court, all the institutions got together and they impeached him immediately. In fact, he was arrested by his own bodyguards while he was on his way to the Mexican embassy where he was going to ask for political asylum. Prosecutors in Peru have charged the ousted left-wing president, Pedro Castillo, with rebellion for breaking the constitutional order. The national police tweeted out a photo of Castillo being detained. So the whole thing was botched from the beginning. But all this was the culmination of a very problematic 16-month government. Pedro Castillo was born into a peasant family and was a schoolteacher and labour organiser before starting his career in politics. And Lucia first crossed paths with him during his electoral campaign. And I had first seen him during his electoral campaign. I thought he looked very weak. He used to always wear a very typical hat, very tall, like was taller than his own head, than his own face. And it made him look like he was trying to look taller because he's very, very small physically. From our side, you won't find any type of aggression. But we also won't allow for the oppressed people to continue to be discriminated against for more years. And it gave you the impression that he was trying to look more powerful and and as though he had more strength than what he really had. He spoke, however much better than I had expected him to. 
So the picture you're painting is of a man who was in charge, but not really in power in any sense of the world. Yes. He tried to disband Congress. Was that an attempt to try and solidify his position or what was all that about? It was an attempt to save himself and his government. Now, remember, in 16 months, he went through more than 80, 80 ministers wow. and named political allies with little or no relevant experience. And as usual, very quickly, as happens in Peru, they were linked to corruption, one even to domestic violence, even murder. Wow. And then he was accused as well of running a criminal organization that was basically handing out public contracts in exchange for money. He's faced a slew of corruption investigations, looking into whether he used his position to benefit himself, his family, and close allies. And even though he denies all this, he was accused of corruption. The Congress, what it can do is to impeach him on political grounds. Corruption is one of them, of course. And eventually, there was a whole array of charges against him. Castillo isn't the first president to face these charges. Remember, he was the fifth president in the last six years. And all his predecessors faced corruption accusations. But former president Martín Vizcarra was the only other leader in the past six years to be successfully ousted. He faced allegations that he accepted bribes. Another problem is that the Congress is often at war with the president. Right now, Congress is made up of 17 parties, many of which are in opposition to whoever holds executive office. As soon as a president comes in, whether they're corrupt, whether they're not corrupt, whether they're doing something well or whether they're not, they start to wage war against them. The biggest party in Congress is Fuerza Popular, Their candidate has narrowly lost three presidential elections, and the winning president was left to face a Congress that opposed them during the election. Ending that standoff was Castillo's reason for dissolving Congress. So what he argued was we needed a new Congress with the majority, in fact, of Peruvian support, new politicians and a new constitution to change the rules of the game. Castillo tried to change the constitution in April to stop Congress from being able to impeach presidents constantly. But Congress shut down his attempts. In the past, Congress has used different constitutional clauses to impeach, including one for moral incapacitation. Now, what on earth is moral incapacity? Your guess is as good as mine. But it boils down to something much, much more systemic. And that is that There is a mixture here of corruption. There is a profound dysfunctional divisions in the political system that have made governing impossible. And that means also very weak political parties. And whoever at the end is offering a better bargain, be it with money or with power or with ministries, ends up dominating Congress. Now, most of the time, that has been Heiko Fujimori. She is the daughter of imprisoned and uh, deposed former president slash dictator Alberto Fujimori. This is kind of where all this began. Alberto Fujimori was president of Peru from 1990 to 2000. And his rise to power came during one of the most turbulent times in Peru's history. There was a combination of very, very bad political economic mishandling of the country with 
the world's at the time highest hyperinflation rate and the Shining Path guerrilla group went crazy and there were attacks and it was causing havoc and murder all over the country. The organization grew into the guerrilla group at the center of the extreme violence in Peru in the last 20 years of the last century. It is estimated that the movement was responsible for the deaths of around 37,000 people. And Peruvians wanted change. People wanted calm, they wanted order. They were willing to do anything for that to happen. So this agronomist of Japanese background came out of nowhere and Fujimori won the government. La violencia y la muerte. Violence and death swept throughout our nation, leaving a trail of pain, hatred and fear in every Peruvian home. Tonight, all this is being left behind and we are seeing a new and clearer dawn for better days to come. And he then went on the rampage and started putting in prison everybody in sundry, and he managed to stop the Shining Path and arrest its major leader. So the country had calm, and the country managed to get its economy more or less on track. Then, two years into his term in 1992, he did exactly what Castillo tried to do this year. He shut down Congress with the support of the military and suspended the Constitution. And then he continued to use repressive methods for many years. Eventually, the Peruvians got sick of him. He had gone from being a hero, but eventually he went too far and they started protesting against him. And so he, amid those protests, he went into exile, came here to Chile, in fact, to get away to stop himself from being imprisoned. So this is the kind of political class that Peru has had has, and that and the kind of war that is go, going on with Congress. What are the Peruvian people making of all of this? Well, because it mm, sounds like chaos. It is. And if I was in Peru, I'd be blooming sick of it and I'd be out on the street banging a dustpan or something. So people hate Congress. They want everybody out. That If you ask the majority, what do they do want? They want a new president, new Congress, but especially the new Congress, because it's pointless, as I've just made clear, to have a new president if you have a Congress that's going to try to always throw them out. And then you've got the issue of what people believe really happened here. Many of Castillo's supporters believe what he's been saying, that Congress unfairly impeached him and Boluarte his vice president, betrayed him. And many of these supporters are in the countryside, while those in the capital city of Lima mainly oppose him. This is based on the fact that the people in the countryside who are poorer voted for him, mainly. And who believe that he's being done in yet again by Congress. And so they're beginning to be protests all over the country, roads blocked. The people who supported him in the capital are also staging very violent protests and they're being met with equal violence by the police and the army. Obviously, we have to see how these protests go. We'll hear more about the protests and the new president replacing Castillo after the break. I'm Charles Dance, your narrator for Hindsight, Al Jazeera's original docudrama series. In season five, we meet Andres Escobar, 
the gentleman of football. The Colombian player appeared to have been born under a lucky star until one mistake at a World Cup match cost him his life. His story can't be told without hearing about the other Escobar. Hindsight from Al Jazeera, wherever you get your podcasts. We're talking to Lucia Newman, Latin America editor for Al Jazeera, about political turmoil in Peru. Right now, Peru has a new president. After the ousting of Pedro Castillo, his vice president, Dina Boluarte, succeeded him. With her inauguration on December 7th, history was made in the South American country. Dina Boluarte was sworn in as the country's first ever female president. Her job will be to unite this divided country and fast. Dina Boluarte was the person one would have last have suspected to have become president. She was a, a lackluster but competent public servant. But she agreed to take over the presidency when Castillo tried to pull this kind of self-coup, as it's called, shut down Congress, because she said that she would not allow the institutions to be destroyed. And she's facing tremendous obstacles to continue to govern. The obstacles being protests erupting in the south of the country, calling for her removal and for new elections to take place soon. Castillo has said she betrayed him, and his supporters agree. This is what he is saying, by the way, in a letter that he made public from prison. He's now arrested. And what she had thought she would do initially, she has suggested they do change the constitution, that there have to be political reforms, constitutional reforms, to make the country governable between the four institutions, public prosecutor, the courts, the executive branch, and the legislative branch. And nobody in the opposition is really listening to that. They just want her out quickly. (laughs) So now she's suggesting that they bring forward presidential elections, but people aren't having it. They want more. Do you know how big are the protests? Do you think that they're enough to kind of force the sort of change that people are calling for? They're big enough to bring about ungovernability. Mm. And the ungovernability, unless you declare a state of siege, which is upping the state of emergency, and then that's getting really, really ugly because that requires tremendous amount of repression on the part of the army. Could she do it? Would the army be willing to go into it? Or are there going to have to be very major concessions on the part of all the political parties, including the Fujimori party, to propose the kind of changes to the Constitution and particularly to the way Congress runs to pacify people? Nearly 2,000 protesters overrun the airport in Arequipa, Peru's second largest city. They blocked access and clashed with police. Main highways in several regions remained blocked. They're large enough, these protests, to warrant instability. And this is a country that can afford instability. And that's what's happening now. Lucia doesn't believe Boluarte can react in time to stabilise the country. I don't know her personally, but there's no reason to believe that she is able to kind of manoeuvre these complex situations politically. Mm. And nor does she have a strong alliance that she can count on in Congress or anywhere else. It paints a very bleak picture for the for upcoming days, weeks, and months. 
and this bleakness is felt in Peru. Mariana Sanchez is based in the capital Lima and is covering the unrest for Al Jazeera. And she's noticing that Peruvians don't have hope that change will happen soon enough. I think that there is a sense among the people of Peru that we cannot get the act together to get a competent group of Peruvians that can govern the country. So there is apathy towards politics, there is disillusionment, there's anger among most of the people that I talk to. People say, we don't believe in politicians anymore, we're so fed up. Boluarte is trying to quell the protests by promising sooner elections next year to replace herself and Congress. But that still might not be enough. How do you tell the people in the streets that are so desperate for food, they're angry with the politicians, they want a new ball game, how do you tell them, well, we'll have to wait a year? And in the meantime, she has to take care of other things that are very important. There is a huge drought in the country, animals are dying, there's hunger in the highlands and the Amazonian area. The pandemic has left millions of people without jobs, people are starting again. It's very difficult for Peru. So she understands this, she has to take care of this, but at the same time, she has to calm down the protests because they are getting out of hand. How Boluarte decides to handle the protests could lead to big changes for Peru. Lucia says the situation is comparable to what's happening in other countries in the region. Maybe she can bring about something similar to what we saw here in Chile. You know, it was only three years ago that there was a social explosion here and nobody could control the protests. Nobody. And the result was to call for a constitutional convention and to have a new constitution. That is an option. However... What makes it more difficult in Peru, as opposed to Chile, is the weakness of the political parties. You need agreements with political parties that are strong enough to stick to their commitments. And that's a big question mark. You mentioned the massive protests in Chile that brought about that, you know, the constitutional convention. Did the protests in Peru have the same kind of power or are they more muted in some way? The question isn't really are they muted or whether they have the power, but rather whether they will fizzle out or whether they will grow. For a short amount of time, any government, any system can put up with it. But if they last for weeks and months and everything starts to disintegrate. Peru is the Latin American capital of political instability, and that's saying a lot. So much so that when Castillo took over, we were all kind of, and this sound, it was kind of a, a running joke, you know? People were taking bets, how long will he last? And this was even before it all started to crumble. So that just gives you an idea of how serious the situation is there. You mentioned that Peru doesn't have the, the strong political parties that there are in other countries. I mean, how is civil society at large? Civil society is weak because ultimately political governance is something that you need. You can't just be done alone with civil society. Civil society reacts. People protest. They react by voting for the person that you would least believe could become a president. 
They are basically disgusted with their political class. They're disgusted with them, but they need them. They must have them. So what's the solution then? The solution is absolutely to have a political and constitutional reform. The rules of the game must change. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Chloe K. Lee, with Amy Walters and Ashish Malhotra, Nagin Oliai, Alexandra Locke, Ruby Zaman, and me, Halamahiyadeen. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Aya Al-Malek and Adam Abugad are The Take's engagement producers. Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back on Wednesday. <laughs>